thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Seas with myself and Colin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today, our topic is going to be around managing people because that is my full-time job pretty much and something that I've had experience with before and figured it fits in pretty well with a lot of the things that Colin talks about on the podcast. So to kick off, I figured we could each talk about a challenge we have had when it comes to managing people because I think when you are in an individual contributor role and you are reporting to a manager, it's very easy to think, I could do this job even better than my manager and you can think that you would do it completely differently but until you're put in the position of actually being a manager you have no idea what those challenges are like so my example here is that the biggest challenge i face right now comes from the fact that i didn't grow with the company into this role so my last management job I basically started out in the entry-level role and got promoted a few times until I ended up leading a team of people. So all the people on my team, if they needed training, I had done their exact job before, so it was super easy for me to train them, Um, and I had built a lot of trust that way. And now I'm in a role where I was hired in to be the manager, and I had not worked in the less senior roles within this company and we use a proprietary software platform so I don't have a lot of hands-on experience with that platform and when people on my team have issues with it they can't really come to me because I don't have the answers. So I have found that to be a little bit challenging and that's something specific to this role right now but I know that management and even like director level VP level positions tend to be people that are hired in because when you have that need, you can't always wait for someone at the company to grow into it. So while it's a challenge that I'm facing, I know it's not a unique one. So with that challenge, obviously you talked about not having experience with the software, but are you facing any other challenges as far as what you're doing in the role? Or is it really just that you feel a little bit limited in your ability to help on that? It's a little bit of both, so I think that's a glaring problem is that I'm limited to help on that, but I also have a different style than a lot of the people that I work with that makes things a little bit challenging too, so um, a lot of the people that I work with are extremely analytical, and I am a little less high on the analytical side and better with the soft skills. Um, And that's a big flip from a lot of the people that I work with who might not necessarily have great soft skills but are amazing at analyzing things. So sometimes I will run into issues there as well just because they will need help analyzing something specifically and I'm going to approach it a lot differently than they might. So that's also a challenge for me. But I do want to say my solution to some of these things as well has been on the software system front, I have had to figure out what the best channels are that I can go to for people on my team to get help. So instead of me always being the one that helps them, maybe I'm just facilitating that uh, and bringing them to someone who has that hands-on knowledge. And then as far as building their trust without having that um, kind of knowledge that they can come to me for, 
I have done a lot of work on the relationship building front so that my team is really comfortable coming to me with anything that they ever need. So while there have been challenges, I have had to find a way around them instead of just trying to like absolutely learn everything myself, like learn someone else's role in addition to my own. I I have had to find these solutions. Right. So the reason I'm asking that and want to unpack that a little bit more is because I feel like they, while they're challenges, they are very common amongst new leaders. So you're not alone on an island and there's probably people listening to this episode that may be in a leadership position and going through some of, if not the same type of issues, whether it be a proprietary software that they don't have as much hand-on experience from or they come into a team and they have to try to adapt to different types of personalities. That is definitely something I think that any leader can relate to. Not everybody's going to be just like you and that's perfectly okay. But in order to lead effectively, you have to learn how to connect with all those different people. So you talked a little bit about the relationship building piece. And I know this is jumping ahead maybe to a little bit about what I was going to talk about. But I'd love to hear about how you make the connections with people that are different from you and that have different perspectives and different ways to work than you. How have you been able to, now with, what, six plus months of time on your side, be able to create those connections with the people that you work with? Yeah. Um, So first of all, the fact that I have a weekly one-on-one with my people, I think, is really helpful that allocates at least 30 minutes every week where I'm individually connecting with everyone on my team. And the way that I structure those meetings uh, is that the first 10 minutes, they can talk about anything that they want to talk about. The second 10 minutes are for me to talk about anything I want to talk about. Then the last 10 minutes are usually focused on the future, whether that be something client related that we have coming up or something related to their growth for the future. Um, So that really gives them the opportunity to feel like the meeting is theirs, at least to start off with, um, but they're still getting really a lot of feedback from me uh, with the second part of the meeting. So I think that has helped a lot, but I also sit right with my team and interact with them out loud a lot. And the type of person that I am just tends to be pretty easygoing unless things aren't going very well with our clients, then I'm going to have to come in a little harsher. But I tend to be pretty easygoing, so people feel a little more comfortable coming to me with things. And then I also showed right from the very beginning that I would go to bat for my people. So if they were feeling a certain type of way or didn't like the way something was going, I made sure to raise that flag right away and provide a voice for them. And I think that made a difference in their level of trust with me. So you're in the sports world, what we would call a player's coach, it seems like at least. That's the way that you lead in your organization. You put your people, their needs before maybe some of the larger needs of the organization in order to keep them happy, in order to be able to communicate with them while also keeping that bigger bigger picture outlook in mind. How do you balance that? Because there always needs to be that ability to do that, even if you are a player's coach or you're a player manager, whatever it is, or you're, excuse me, you're a people manager in the corporate world. How do you balance being able to keep your specific team's 
requests and the different aspects that they want to accomplish and the way that they perceive everything in line with the bigger company outlook. Yeah, so I think the first thing that I did was to make sure that I established trust with them from the beginning by going to bat for them whenever they needed something. Um, And I think that that allowed me to get to a point where now I can communicate larger company goals to the team and keep them aligned with that because they have already had that trust with me. Um, I also build that trust by being transparent about what is going on with the company. I think that's huge. Um, If you are in a position of leadership, you usually know about things that are happening within the company at a more detailed level or at a faster rate than someone who is at the individual contributor level. So I make it a point to talk about those things that I learn with the team so that they are fully informed and aware. And I do also want to say it is easier to be a player's coach, if you will, when things are going well. Um, It is much harder when things are not going well. And that's when I have to kind of flex the other way and be more of a, okay, this is what's most important for the company kind of person. But ultimately, it's important that I do that too. And I always try to draw it back to if we don't do what it takes to make the company happy and make the company progress, then none of us are going to be here anyway. So even though it individually might be a bother to you right now, like in the grand scheme of things, this is just a blip on the radar. Okay. We talked about some of the challenges that you had in coming as somebody who was coming in from the outside, but I am the type of person, and you mentioned this when you were talking about it earlier, that especially at leadership positions, sometimes the people who are internal in your organization or with your team, whatever it is, they're just simply not ready for a people leadership position. There's something different about leading people than there is about being able to do your job well. And if your job requires you to lead people and you don't have experience there and you're just not ready for various different reasons then it makes sense to hire from the outside. And companies that don't hire from the outside or say they don't hire from the outside, I've said this before, I think it's a big crock. I think it's dumb and I think it's limiting because sometimes it's good to get that fresh perspective and sometimes it's good to bring in somebody new who can just lift you up in areas where you may have weaknesses and fill those gaps. Now, I'm not saying that needs to be done every single time, but for the companies and the organizations out there that won't do it because they have a company mantra that says we only hire within, we want to promote, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's great to be able to promote, but if your people are not ready to take on that responsibility, then it doesn't matter. So there's my tangent. The reason I'm going on it is because I want to know from your perspective, somebody coming in from the outside and also having been somebody who got promoted from within to a leadership position in the past, How do you think that you were able to lift the company up coming in with that outside influence and that outside experience? So I actually have a lot of thoughts on this kind of topic. One of them being it drives me crazy that the career progression for most people is individual contributor roles and then senior individual contributor roles and then people management roles because there are plenty of people who are great individual contributors because they know how to put their head down and get the work done. And that does not translate to being a great manager. And I actually feel like I work with a lot of people who are just very 
highly introverted and care a lot about their hands-on keyboard work and would not do well managing a group of people. It is just a completely different skill. So I'm with you on sometimes you need to hire from outside with, with that in mind. And maybe you need to develop some different career paths for people like that so no one just feels stuck in the same thing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as what was I able to come in and do, I think I was immediately able to add a semblance of hierarchy because we didn't really have that, um, especially within my office. It was a lot of individual contributors, one director who was going on maternity leave, and then a VP. So there was a lot of gap in between the people who were doing the work and then anyone in a position of leadership within the office. So adding in that middle layer of hierarchy just helped give people some type of structure, some type of voice. And I've just a way to escalate things that they didn't really have previously. Like if you didn't feel comfortable going to a VP with your problems, your problems were probably never going to get solved, um, especially if you didn't have the capability to do it yourself. So I've come in and really been able to help problem solve. I have also been able to prioritize some company related things that weren't really being focused on previously. So if you're in an individual contributor role, you probably have a pretty outlined workload. You know exactly what you need to get done and you have to be pretty focused on that. And then if you're in a VP role, you're burdened with a lot of pressures and have a really broad view of the entire company that you have to keep in mind. So adding me in at that middle level allowed me to help focus on some of the company needs. And I think one downside of hiring people from in the individual contributor roles into a manager role is I can see those people getting bogged down in the details and getting bogged down in the client work a lot more than what I currently am just because that has been what they were doing before. That's what they're comfortable with. That's what their peers know them as doing. And they will continue to look to them for things like that. Whereas that was never my job. So people can't really look to me for that. And it allows me to prioritize things like, okay, how is the office feeling? What are some things that we need right now? What are some processes that need to be put into place? What are some kind of HR related things that our office needs that we don't really have someone taking care of right now? Um, And then I'm able to flex into those things. And I was also able to use some of my previous experience, just knowing what it was like to lead and motivate a team from my previous role. I didn't have to learn that over again by being in in a role for the first time, which helped. Okay, one more aspect that I want to cover today, and I know we were planning on balancing this out a little bit more, but I've liked the way that you've run with everything so far, so I'm going to throw this to you. You mentioned earlier the relationship building aspect, and one of the things that you do to connect with your people on your team, I won't call them employees, I'll call them people, teammates, is that you have one-on-ones and you structure it in a way that allows for them to be able to talk about things that they want to talk about or ask about and then give them the feedback and just have more of an open dialogue than your traditional structured meeting would be. I've long talked about, I think one of the biggest challenges for leaders is to find that time to actually connect with people. And that's one thing to be able to connect 
in a one-on-one, which is, if you're not already doing one-on-ones, that is probably the first step. (laughs) Get those on your calendars and start connecting with your people on a weekly basis, bi-weekly at the bare minimum. But what do we do? How do we connect outside of work? Because I think that's really where the magic is. And I'll keep it in the corporate world because that's more up your alley versus in the sports sphere. But how do we connect with people outside of work? Like, do we need to build in these hours during traditional working hours to just say, hey, let's take a break. Let's go get coffee. Let's go grab a drink because we all have lives outside of work. So it doesn't always make sense, especially for leaders who tend to be a little bit older, might be a little bit further along in their life progression, maybe have kids, have started a family, those type of things. So it doesn't always make sense to be like, hey, let's spend another hour or two after work, after we already put in eight hours a day, trying to get to know each other at a coffee shop or at a bar or something like that. So how do we, if making the magic really happens when you're outside of work and you're able to take that guard down a little bit, how do we find some solutions to get us to that point where we can make those meaningful connections and really start to understand our people? So full disclosure, I don't do a whole ton of that connecting outside of work right now, unless it's kind of like a corporate sponsored event. So basically when I went to Seattle on a work trip or when I've traveled to client meetings with my coworkers, that's provided an opportunity for us to spend time together, not in the office setting. And then we do go out to lunch together sometimes, um, which doesn't really take away from the working hours because it's your lunch break, but you're still there together. And then just keeping work as a topic off the table. Even walking to the coffee shop together as a quick break during work can be a nice way to do it. Like I said, I don't do a whole ton of that right now, but the option is there if you take advantage of those windows of time. And then things like the holiday party that we had a few days ago for the company gathered everyone together. So spending time at that holiday party with people who are on my team can help establish that relationship even more. I don't think that it's 100% necessary to take a lot of time outside of work to build the relationship. I think if you make people feel comfortable enough with you during work hours, they will come to you with their needs regardless. Um, I also think that there's just a lot of downtime at work sometimes, not necessarily because you don't have work to do, because I think we actually have a ton of work to do but sometimes you just get bogged down with doing too much of it at once and then you need a little bit of a brain break and taking that time to talk about something personal is where it's at I also find that I'm the type of person who will willingly share some personal anecdotes and a little bit of vulnerability there which makes people feel more comfortable coming to me I don't know if that completely answers your question but that's kind of my two cents on it Yeah, I think it does. It gives some perspective because if we're struggling to find the actual time, what can we do during our time together? And how can we make it different than the normal day-to-day or just get stuck in the grind and not look up from our computer screens, not take out our headphones, like have meaningful conversations, talk about things that are happening because let's let's not try to pretend that all organizations are always working all hours of the day like there is that's that's what they invented the water cooler talk for mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been going on for way longer than we've been around and it will continue to happen so there are opportunities to make those connections 
while you're in an office or you're just in your working hours, if you're a virtual worker, you just have to make the effort. I think it's the point you were trying to make. Yeah. Working eight hours straight productively is a crock, if you ask me. So <laughs> you just make the effort while you're there, too. Um, I think that's kind of where we should leave it for now, but we should have a part two of this episode because I went through a management training last week where I had a few eye-opening moments that I think other people could benefit from, and I would like to hear a little bit about your experience managing people as well, so it's not just all focused on me. So stay tuned. There will be a part two for this behind the scenes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, take it easy. Take it easy.